We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With the seventh pick in the 2023 NBA Draft, the Indiana Pacers select Bilal Koulibaly. What? Whoa! It is draft night. We have just seen Amin Thompson get picked by the Houston Rockets. Fachi and I are here to kind of monitor what's going to happen here at pick five, where I think the draft really starts. Fachi, how are we feeling? I'm feeling great. Draft day, my favorite day of the year. It really feels like anything can happen. But just like you mentioned, this is where things get interesting with Detroit. Once upon a time, felt like they could go Cam Whitmore. Now, I really don't know, and I don't expect it to be Cam Whitmore. Yeah, it feels like all indications based on what we've seen from ESPN's latest mock draft from Jonathan Gavoni is that it's going to be Asar Thompson. We'll we'll find out very shortly. Uh, Jairus Walker is a name that has been mentioned there as well. They've also been mentioned as a team that could trade back. So I'm not sure exactly where they're going, but I think this is where the draft really gets interesting. I mean, uh, if I'm putting money on it, I'm going to guess Asar Thompson. But right now, I'm, I'm not 100% convinced that's who it's going to be. But so my gut feeling is. I'm with you. I'm going to Sar Thompson. I don't think they go Jarris Walker because, you know, we've talked about they have some promising bigs on their team, but Asar fits what they're looking for. And I still think at that point, look, while we don't know exactly what the Magic want to do at pick six, it still puts the Pacers in position to select one of Jarris Walker or Taylor Hendricks. And that's a really good spot to be in. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I didn't get a chance to talk to you yesterday, but the Pacers made a trade on Wednesday where they traded away pick 29 picks 29 and 32 to Denver for picks four up uh, for pick 40 and a future first round pick that belongs to OKC. And then today the Pacers ended up trading pick 40 to the Lakers for the Lakers pick at 47 and also picked up about $4 million worth of cash in this trade. So I guess what were your overall thoughts on the Pacers picks uh, or I should say move so far to trade those picks? 
I like the trade with Denver once I knew that it was not Denver's first round pick. Because then he started going like, oh, man, the team that just won it all. Like, what are we going to get? Another Boston 29th overall pick? I feel much much better now knowing that it's probably going to be the Clippers or OKC's pick. And at that point, when you really break it down, that pick could very well be, say, between 22 to 25. And if that's the case, then I really like this move. Now, as it relates to the move that happened today with the Lakers, look, it's not the most exciting move, but to get $4.3 million in cash for the 40th overall pick is actually a lot of money so you know it's we can live with that yeah and I mean a lot of people have been asking me how does cash considerations work and all that and that's a conversation for another day there's some articles out there on google if you're curious uh, I copy and pasted one but decided just to delete it uh for whatever reason but I just I just feel like this was a move that made sense I was told by uh, a, a trusted source the reason they moved back is because they felt like at 47, it was easier to convince that player to take a two-way contract instead of pick 40. You'd probably have to convince very hard to take a two-way contract. So pick 47, much easier to convert them to a two-way player. Kendall Brown, who was picked 48th last year by the Timberwolves, Pacers traded for that pick. He was converted to a two-way contract last year. So that is the reasoning for that. And with the Pacers only having three available roster spots, they can still take a player at 7 and 26. So right now in this draft, and still have an open roster spot to make some more moves if they decide to do a trade or, you know, pursue somebody in free agency. And to your point over there, look, convincing the 40th overall pick to take a two-way spot, yeah, that's not the easiest thing because the 40th overall pick is really not a bad pick. I mean, yeah. there there's good expectations there. But at 47 now, you can afford to gamble. Now, I'm also in favor of, say, the Pacers end up – kind of punting on 47 and trading for a second round pick next year that could perhaps be a little bit better. I'm fine with that because we still know they're not going to use all four picks that they have this year. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, my my bet is that they trade, pick 55. Someone will probably want to get that. Um, interestingly enough, the Suns don't have a pick until 2031 after this draft. So you kind of have to wonder if they're a team that could be aggressive trying to get some future picks as well. Uh, before the new CBA kicks in. I think that'd be smart of the Suns to do. But yeah, we haven't seen anything crazy trade-wise. We've, we've got some crazy trades today, and I guess we can talk about those um, after this pick. But the pick is in, so let's see what they're going to do, Fachi, here. They have another one. At the pick, pick is in. Let's head to Commissioner Adam Silver. With the fifth pick in the 2023 NBA draft, the Detroit Pistons, Pistons select... Asar Thompson from Oakland, California, an overtime elite. Well, that was just butchered by Adam Silver. They had one job, the Detroit Pictons. <laughs> I was going to say that the biggest surprise was him mispronouncing Pistons. Uh, we, we expected Asar to go there. Honestly, Alex, let's, we talked about this a little bit. If Asar slipped to seven, do you think that would have been the Pacers pick? I really do, Fachi. I, I think they too. were pretty enticed by him, and I can see why. He's a very interesting player. So, to me, I was expecting him to go there. We kept hearing rumblings about it as of late, and look, it's annoying that ESPN gets all these inside scoops before the draft happens. They kind of can predict what's going to happen, but, you know, it is what it is. I mean, there's a lot of people talking, uh, <laughs> and I don't know why, but they got to share everything. So, Asar Thompson going here makes a lot of sense. Now, Orlando is in at pick six. 
I'll be curious to see what they do because they could go Taylor Hendricks. They need shooting. They need size. They could go ball handler here. Anthony Black has been the most recently mocked to them through ESPN. Makes a lot of sense. I, I don't expect Jairus Walker to go here to the Magic. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me for what they already have. So I'm assuming it's going to be, uh, and they could go Cam Whitmore. I guess they could go with him, but I, I just feel like it's going to be Anthony Black or Taylor Hendricks. My gut says Anthony Black. I do feel like from everything I've read, Anthony Black probably isn't getting past the Wizards at eight, but I also feel like he's probably going to the Magic here because I think they're ready to move on from a Jalen Suggs and a Cole Anthony. So like right now, it feels like, why would the Magic do this? They have so many guards. I don't think that's going to be the case for very long. I think they go Anthony Black. I think the Pacers probably end up selecting Jarris Walker, but this pick right over here is obviously going to influence that. No, I definitely agree. And I think what's interesting now is Detroit has really built themselves a pretty interesting team here um, for the future. I mean, we talked about Cam Whitmore being the pick here, but there's been some medical issues, I guess, mm -hmm. some red flags medically that have kind of taken people away from him. So now you got Jaden Ivey, Asar Thompson, Cade Cunningham, and Jalen Dern. I think that's going to be a tough team to deal with in the future. And they might not be good in the next year or so, but give them a couple of years. I think this is going to be a team to reckon with in the Eastern Conference. And I want to go real quick back to pick two, the, the Charlotte Hornets. It, it felt like all day it was going back and forth with who they were going to take. They end up going Brandon Miller. Were you a little bit surprised that Scoot Henderson was getting some busts today and then it flipped like an hour or two before the draft again? I was because it, it felt like it made a drastic change. Like mm -hmm. I want to say it seemed like yesterday that Brandon Miller was the favorite of like, you know, minus 900. Then all of a sudden they were like, Scoot is now the favorite to go at pick two. And I was like, wow, like this is reminiscent of last year with Paulo going from, you know, what looked like he was probably going to be pick three to then all of a sudden being pick one. But in the end, you know, I, I think they went with fit. And I think that Brandon Miller and LaMelo Ball do fit very well. We'll see down the line if they should not have factored that in, but they're probably going to commit a max contract to LaMelo Ball very soon. So it kind of makes sense to say, hey, we really believe in this guy as the franchise. Yeah, it does. I mean, it, it, what's going on in Charlotte's just crazy because they got new ownership coming in, but MJ's still overseeing things after he's going out. So doesn't make a lot of sense here. But yeah, um, I do like Brandon Miller, though. I think he's a good player. I'm excited to see how he does in Charlotte. But, you know, I just hope Charlotte gets their stuff together because they've been an organization that I haven't really been able to take seriously for a long time. I don't think anyone can. They've honestly never had success, never been to a conference finals before. And, you know, they've botched quite a few picks under MJ. So I, I think that people are probably a little bit skeptical, but a guy like Brandon Miller, who led all freshmen in scoring, you feel really good about that pick. It was kind of a hard one to mess up, but we've talked about it before. Alex, there's something weird about that number two pick in the history. It tends to be a bit wishy-washy. Absolutely, Fachi. Well, I will just say this. This draft coverage of ESPN, I like the table this year much better than last year. No Kendrick Perkins. You get J.J. Redick instead. You get Jay Billis. You get Malika Andrews. Um, but I could do without these interviews with the parents. I mean, these are just so terrible. Uh, I'm not trying to complain a lot, but it's just like, honestly, I don't want to hear from the parents. I want to hear from the player that got drafted and move it on. Let's, let's go to our experts and not hear from the parents. But um, it looks like the pick is in for Orlando Fachi. So let's see what the Orlando Magic are going to do here at number six. American colleges that ties the most ever in the common draft era. Let's head back to the podium and Commissioner Silver. With the sixth pick 
in the 2023 NBA Draft, the Orlando Magic select Anthony Black okay. from the University of Arkansas. All right, so there you go, Fachi. The Pacers are now on the clock. Anthony Black goes number six, and everything is lining up with Jonathan Gavoni's mock draft. So unless the Pacers surprise us here, I think Jairus Walker is going to be the pick. I think Jairus Walker is going to be the pick, and we've talked about it. The fit is what I think the Pacers love. They made it known they want to address defense, and Jairus Walker, you can make a strong argument, is the best defensive prospect in this draft. I think you and I both higher on Taylor Hendricks. We see more of that two-way potential long-term. But I also do feel like Jairus Walker didn't get to showcase as much in college that Taylor Hendricks got to do because Taylor Hendricks was the guy. Meanwhile, you know, Jairus Walker contributed more to a team that won a lot more games. Yeah, and you know what's funny is I actually got a text from an agent today and they said, any intel on what the Pacers are doing from your side? And I said, honestly, no. I said, everything seems to point to Jairus Walker. That's kind of where I think they're going. And the agent responded, man, I'm really surprised by that. I really think Taylor Hendricks is the perfect fit for this Pacers team. Um, they said that the, actually the Pacers reached out to them and asked him what they what he thought. And he said that he thought it was Taylor Hendricks. So I thought it was interesting to hear that. Uh, from just an agent's side of things to, you know, for them to ask me what I was thinking and kind of say, well, they were asked about it. And they they said Taylor Hendricks was the guy, um, said that he's just a great kid off the floor. Um, doesn't mean that Jairus isn't, but it was interesting that he thought he would be a perfect fit. So, yeah, we'll see what happens here. Um, if the Pacers surprise us and take Taylor Hendricks, I will be ecstatic. He's number one on my uh, big board now of players left since Asar went to the Pistons. But, you know, Jairus is number two on my board. So, honestly, it's not like I'm going to be mad about it, but – I know there are some fans that are super excited about Jairus. think he's going to be a game changer. Don't know exactly if uh, I see as much hype in him as a lot of people do. Uh, interestingly enough, Jay Billis has him quite low. He was number 10 on his big board, really? which surprised me a little bit. Uh, he had Taylor Hendricks at number six, I believe. I, I believe he did. And here's the thing. I put up a poll. I want to say it got at least 500 votes, which is a good sample size. And it 65% like of, of Pacer fans wanted Jairus Walker. They do, yeah. So it, it felt like a good amount of – it was a pretty clear cut. For Jairus, I feel like we've always heard that, hey, he can be far more of a playmaker than what we got to see. It looks like the three-point shot could be there. He shot about 35%, under three attempts per game. But I do feel like Taylor Hendricks is the better shooter. But when the Pacers are looking to address defense, I think with Jairus Walker, he's going to be a phenomenal defender. And I think the rest of his game will be there eventually. There is no wrong pick, but they're saying the pick's in. They are saying the pick's in. They're still doing this interview with the parents. Nobody cares about this. I'm sorry. It's no. just like it's so unnecessary. Uh, but we'll let our... Uh... We'll let our player talk on the pod and hear what the parents have to say of on course. the pod and just kind of react after. But, yeah, I am excited to see what happens. I think it's going to be Jairus Walker. So, you know, Jairus Walker, let's let's see if that's the pick. If not, I'm going to be completely shocked. But I am surprised that they put three-point shooting as an area of need for the Pacers. I mean, a lot Why? of three-point shooters. We had more three-point – I saw more three-pointers this year than I feel like I could ever remember in years past. I don't yeah. think that's the case. Like – there are the buddy healed Chris Duarte still on the roster. So I don't think that that is a big need right now. And I think if you go Jairus Walker, you're not really checking that box, but <laughs> I think you're going to be checking quite a few other boxes. Gut call. Oh, while we still have a few more seconds, you go in Jairus Walker. 
I have to. I can't get away from it. I felt that way all day. All right. So um, it looks like the picture. Monica, thank you. Indiana right. is now on the clock. That blue and gold looks good up there. I won't and lie. The pick is already in. We're 15 seconds away from knowing who is headed to Indiana. Man, and they didn't take any time with that NBA one. Commissioner Adam Silver. Talked about trading it a lot. They were heavily involved in trade talks for this pick. Didn't, didn't trade it. So here we go. Adam Silver with the pick. Jairus Walker. With the seventh pick in the 2023 NBA Draft, the Indiana Pacers select Bilal Koulibaly. What? Whoa! Oh my God! Whoa! I am completely stunned right now. Oh my God! What the heck? Dude, this never, is the never most... in my life. I didn't hear that rumored at all. Not once. Oh my once. God! That is insane. Okay. Whoa. This is a high upseed. Uh, wow, high upswing. Oh my god, I, I'm shocked right now. People are going to be loving this on the podcast. Balakula Bali. Okay, this is the oh first time we're going against god. consensus. Okay, I mean, I I thought he. I, what did I put him on? It was all star potential yesterday on my thing? Wow. I just didn't think he was going to be an actual option here. He didn't. Did he well, even work out for the team? What about this? Do you think there's a trade? Well, let's because see. Let's see. There very well could be a trade. Potential at his best. Getting downhill. I think certainly. Let's see what Bobby Marks is saying. Is a little bit of a work in progress. 67% at the rim this year. His shot is not broken though. 72% from the free throw line right now. He is coming over. He's got a small buyout. He will be in an Indiana Pacers uh, uniform when training camp starts and certainly when summer league starts in Las Vegas. This is interesting. Bobby, thank you. He scored 37 points in the under-21 league. Before the Pacers are trading Balak Kulabali to the, the Wizards. Team. I knew it. I knew there had to be a trade. All right. Indiana is still listening to trade inquiries for the number seven pick. Jake Fisher says league sources told you sports Pacers seem to have their choice in mind if they do stay at the selection. Um, I wonder what the Wizards are sending. It says the Pacers receive future second-round picks and the number eight selection from Washington. So the Pacers move back one spot and pick up future second-round picks. Okay, I mean, that's interesting enough. Okay. I mean, let's be honest. It, it felt like Jarris Walker or Taylor Hendricks was going to be the pick regardless. You move back one pick, you still get one of those guys, I would assume, and you accumulate more assets. The Pacers are really making moves to accumulate more assets here. This is very interesting. I was stunned. I'm not going to say I was shaking when they picked Kulabali, but I was very caught off guard to the point where I think this has got to be a trade here. Yeah, it's so shocking. Like we, our faces were like, what the heck? So this is good for the podcast. I'm glad they did this for us. Like, this uh, is why you do a live reaction because <laughs> <laughs> you can't make this up. I mean, Bilal's wearing the Pacers hat, but it's just, I hate when they do that. It's so annoying. Um, I, I don't need another Kawhi Leonard situation where we see that, the, the you know, the hat wearing, but it's like, hey, look, he was never a Pacer, but, you know, one of those situations years from now. Gotta wonder why Washington traded up one pick to get him if the Pacers weren't going to take him. Had to be that there was another trade on the offer with Utah. Well, we, we've heard that it felt like the Spurs were really trying to get in and get another lottery pick, and it felt like Koulibaly had been, you know, kind of projected around nine. So that must have been the situation. Uh, but wow, I mean, this is this is really interesting. The Pacers stacking assets. I'm curious to see how many second round picks and when are they getting those second round picks? Yeah, I mean, Phoenix just sent a slew of them to Washington. I don't know how many Washington has of their own, but. 
Yeah, this is interesting. Okay, let's see who the Wizards are picking because that's not our pick. Our Adrian Wojnarowski is reporting that the, the Pacers are trading Belial Koulibaly to the Wizards. There's been a lot of movement coming out of Washington this week, so let's three trades for the Pacers now. Three trades. Woj, why is this pick on the move? Yeah, Malik, I'm told that the Pacers uh, are trading back one with the Washington Wizards. Uh, Koulibaly, I'm told, is selected for the Wizards. Uh, there's a, certainly be a package coming back uh, to Indiana, uh, but they've been targeting uh, Jarris Walker of the University of Houston, uh, but they'll be picking here uh, at number eight. The Wizards will be picking for the Pacers here. But whoa, just been a big week overall. Look at Jared just eating Still? Yeah, he just... Farther back uh, of Bradley Beal. What more can you tell us here about Washington's mindset heading into this draft? Malik, it was, it was about one month ago, uh, Ted Leonsis, wow, the owner of the Washington Wizards, told me uh, upon hiring Michael Winger as his new president, that if he wanted to tear down uh, the roster, he had the green light to do so. And now a month later, uh, just today, uh, Winger completed right, Fachi, the deal yeah. for Bradley Beal. Uh, with the Phoenix I'll turn this Suns. down a little bit. Um, but yeah, so this is a little bit of a stutter. Uh, that was a fun to react to live on the podcast. I'm glad you had your video on there so we can share this. But that was like, I, I did that when the Pacers took Duarte. I was like, oh, are they trading it? <laughs> I know. I know. We're like, oh, no, we're keeping it. But in this one, that's just where my gut went because that came out of left field. Yeah. We never heard about that interest in Bilal. So Seeing that was like something's got to be up, and I'm really excited to see a with the Pacers take right over here. I imagine it's gonna be Jarris Walker, but then next, what are those assets? Because the Pacers are doing a great job of stockpiling assets. It's like, oh my god, we're like OKC, but like you know, still trying to be competitive from a couple years ago. Right. Well, it looks like the pick is in. Here's Adam Silver with the eighth pick in the 2023 NBA Draft. The Washington Wizards select Jarris Walker. All right, there we go. All right, all right. There is our new power forward, Jarris Walker Jarris out of Houston, Walker someone that I liked on early on. Um, Talking myself into Taylor Hendricks, Indiana, but here he is for the Pacers. Uh, let's hear what they have to say about him real quick. All of his stats, he's a winner. They all win up in the NCAA tournament. His coach, Jonathan Thompson, he told me just meant so much for him. He played for him all the time. But, but the story that stands out to me the most, Jay, about Jarris Walker is he started all but one game in high mm. school. And the one game he didn't start, it was his senior year. And he didn't start because it was senior night. And he wanted to give that opportunity to another senior. So he decided to come off of the bench to let his teammate have his moment. And I just think that says... So much about who this young man is and that's a great point not only that while at the university of houston he gave his nil money to walk on players yeah wow you know he's a we wow. first guy not a me first guy you know played for kelvin sampson uh, a very powerful forward that's got a really high skill level and he can impact the rim at both ends uh he can block shots he's a good defender he's got a 7-2 wingspan but he gets deflections and steals and he plays really really hard you know, as a big guy, he's more of a catch-and-shoot guy rather than a creator. There's All right, I'm going to go ahead and turn this down here. Um, one thing that we didn't mention, too, Fachi, which I don't think it matters too, too much, but by trading back, they get him on a cheaper contract, which I think That's helps true. as well. That's you true. know, because uh, not that it matters that much, but it'll be just a little bit less, and I think that gives them more flexibility because they were slotted in to have 
the seventh overall pick at a certain number that was estimated, but instead, you know, they uh, they get to take that down a little bit, so that could help them as well. Hey, ownership saves a little bit of money here. They made some money earlier on a trade. Uh, you know, hey, not bad, but the only thing that I feel bad about is Jarris Walker has to wear that Wizards hat, you know, and always have that be his moment uh, instead of a Pacers hat, but you know what? We're going to get him a fresh Pacers fitted soon enough, and all will be well. I'm really excited with this pick. I think, you know, you got me started on the Jarris Walker train early. He was my original guy that was like, oh, wow, you know what? Just makes so much sense. Even when we did our exercise recently, when we talked about fits, even though I, I like me some Taylor Hendricks, the fit made too much sense for Jarris Walker. And because defense is everything the Pacers needed to emphasize. And that is the first thing you think about when you think of Jarris Walker. But I do also think there's a lot more of his offensive game that we got to give him credit for. No, I, I definitely agree. And I think, I was just, you know, I wasn't backed into a corner, but I just preferred one over the other. And I think that I just That's made fine. my made my case. But like I said this week, I said multiple times, if you look at everything that he brings to the table versus Hendricks, he leads the category, leads the charge in everything aside from shooting and secondary rim protection. He's going to be a good floor spacer, uh, not a floor spacer, a good floor general in terms of a secondary kind of guy that can pass the ball, make the right plays. I really hope that Rick Carlisle can get him to play with more force and not be so finesse because that was kind of my biggest concern, Foch, was him just being a little bit too uh, passive, I guess you could say, around the rim. So I want to see him start dunking on people. I want to see his elite def defense just go out there and be able to guard multiple players. But Pacers needed a four. They finally get one. And I think, you know, while he's only six foot six and a half without, without shoes on, he's still six foot eight with a seven foot two wingspan. Something you got to really like if you're the Pacers. Thank God he's always going to have shoes on when he's playing because, <laughs> look, we talked about it. When he did the measurements without the shoes, I was a little bit upset. And I'm going to be honest, that's kind of why I soured a little bit. I was like, man, six, six and a half. But you say he's six foot eight with a seven, two to seven foot three wingspan. That's a big difference. So yeah. I think right over there, hey, we're going to be just fine. I am really excited to know that, like, there is more to it to his game than, than what we saw at Houston. I know I said it before, but it's just like, we can't just think of them as, oh, hey, this is a you know a guy with a big frame who's going to play some defense. No, there's going to be more than that. And who better to get him better looks than Tyrese Halliburton? So it's like, I know they talk about him being a playmaker. We don't need him to make plays, but it's nice to know that he can. Is he ever going to be the three-point shooter that Taylor Hendricks is? No, probably not. But I also do think that when you're talking about having elite qualities, Yes, Jarris Walker has elite defensive capabilities. And on some people's big board, they had him as high as, you know, number four. I know Jay Billis didn't, but, you know, I feel like no no ceilings was very, very high on mm. Jarris Walker. And I think the fact that the Pacers were still able to get him at pick eight is, is just even better. No, absolutely. And I, I think... I think that this is a great move for the Pacers because they get their guy. They move back a spot. They get extra assets. You got to wonder what those assets could get them. Maybe they move up in this draft with those extra assets as well. So that's Maybe. that's one thing that I love about this idea. I'm still waiting to see what those assets are. I'm trying to stay off Twitter, turned off notifications. because so I. It's tough. I, I really wanted to see this draft without all this stuff kind of spoiling it. Like if we would have known that trade uh, that pick was traded before that would have been that a terrible moment it would have ruined the whole episode honestly like <laughs> i couldn't imagine you'd be like what i wonder what we do i mean like ah i got the woes notification here's what's gonna happen or your shams whatever it is like that's what made it feel like the old days when you could actually be surprised by what was gonna happen next
Yeah. The pa- the Wizards are sending two future second round picks to the Pacers in the deal. Uh, sources tell ESPN that doesn't seem like very much to move back. <laughs> no, it doesn't, and it's it's kind of a a little bit of a broad term to future. Like, look, I'm gonna be honest. We don't need more second round picks in this draft. We already have quite a few picks, so I do think that it helps for if one of them is next next year. Maybe one's the following, but. You know, very curious because it's like, are those Phoenix second round picks? Because that's not that appealing. But right. at the same point, you know, we got to still wait and find out a little bit more. But it's also like if the Pacers were still going to draft Jarris Walker anyway, at least they got something for him and they didn't miss out. No, absolutely. So, Fachi, do you want to go ahead and take a quick break and then we can come back and talk a little bit later once we figure out what happened with the rest of these picks? That sounds good to me. All right, everybody, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back on the podcast uh, to talk about the rest of the draft after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, we're listening live now to Rick Carlisle talk about the Pacers. First two picks, Jairus Walker and Ben Shepard. We're going to talk about Ben Shepard here in a second, but here's Carlisle on these uh, these picks. A group of players that we were looking at from on a positional basis. He was the best rebounder. His defense rated well. Um, in our workout here, you know, it was a one-on-oh workout, but we had him doing some simulated switches on Gennaro Pargo, who can still still really play. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, he did a good job of keeping you know Gennaro in front and just making him shoot difficult, contested two-point shots. So. You know, in a league where vers- defensive versatility, the ability to switch and contain is so important, you know, we believe he can do that. Um, and then, you know, offensively, he just, you know, there, there's 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 a chance here that, that he could really evolve into a, a special kind of foreman in this league. Mm. <clears throat> a guy that can rebound it and take it coast to coast and make plays and, finish at the rim and, you know, do all that stuff. So, 
Um, I'm always leery about throwing out comparison type names, so I'll I'll resist the temptation. But uh, I think when our fans start to watch them, they'll see the possibilities, and uh, and we'll go from there. I feel like he was going to say Draymond there. Would have been nice. The Draymond comparisons have been getting tossed around, um, but I would very much like that. Well, we had a great visit with him. I mean, it started the night before. We we took him to dinner at Iarea's here around the corner. Uh, me, um, Kelly, and Ted, and uh, just had one of one of the you know most entertaining dinners. Just you know, with a, he's just a real engaging guy. He's got a strong intellectual curiosity for the game um you know he's upbeat he's happy um lo- loves to compete um and you know from there you know i i brought him back over here and showed him the facility this is the night before the workout and then uh you know took him down the elevator and through the tunnel and showed him the the arena and the locker room and stuff and uh just had a feeling that night that, that that he could be our guy and probably and, and ended up spending more time with him than the other guys. It just part of it was just circumstantial because um, in other instances we were meeting <laughs> prospects, you know, at a restaurant and they had a driver. I, you know, in this particular case, I picked him up. So, but oh, uh, interesting. You know, just real excited. I feel like Jairus was their target all along. And what the I think so. And, yeah, I'm going to turn this down just for a second. Hold on. You know, again, he's a unique prospect in that um, he has length, he has quickness, he has really good ball skills. Um, it appears to me that he could play some point guard in a pinch. Mm-hmm. Um, but his wow. position is is two and three. Um, so he's a wing. But you know that kind of versatility is very important in today's game. Okay. We, if you want to hear more from Carlisle, you can probably check all this out later. Um, but I wanted to get his initial thoughts just kind of on everything. And look, I won't lie. I think that they've been eyeing Jairus Walker for a long time. Uh, probably thought he'd be in the range they were picking him from when they started to go downhill a little bit when Tyrese got injured. So um, to hear him say that he picked him up, I think that's pretty interesting, Fachi. I know you got a nice little reaction there from that too. But, you know, Jairus Walker, I think the one thing I took away from what we heard was the ability to get the ball off the rim and bring it down the floor. Um, you had that with Sabonis before, but you lack the defense and the defensive switchability. Not saying that he's a defensive-minded Sabonis, but I do think that there is something similar there in terms of like a guy that can push the ball at the floor, be a secondary ball handler, kind of get the offense going. Um, we'll be interested to see if he starts based on what they do in free agency, but if you bring him off the bench to start it off, I'm not worried about that. We've already seen Carlisle do that before, and it worked out pretty well. So what are your what are your thoughts, I guess, on what Carlisle had to say, Fudge? Well, my initial thoughts is how long has Carlisle been doing Uber? No, but look, the, the <laughs> fact that he picked him up, I thought that was like a really nice touch. And it, it showed that like he really wanted to get to know Jarris. And I feel like that's exactly what they did. And that really does sound like they treated his visit very differently. Like, I was fortunate enough to have, you know, some decent conversations with Taylor Hendricks' agent. Nothing like this was ever mentioned at all. And I, I feel like Jairus Walker, to similar to what Carl meant, said this was a totally different type of circumstance. And I think that went a long way for them building that type of connection 
And I, I really feel like the Pacers had their eyes on Walker and it came down to, will he be available? And the fact that he was, it makes me feel even better when we heard about Jairus's character. The thing like giving up his start, the only game that he never started at college, uh, in high school on senior night, he gave to another senior or giving NIL money to walk-ons. Like, you know, the Pacers love someone that could be a good person on the court, but also off the court. And that's exactly what I feel like we're getting with Jairus Walker. One of the biggest takeaways I got to say, though, when he said uh, could play some point guard. Probably. Ben Shepard. Ben Shepard. Okay, good, good. Because I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Did you not hear what, him what say we, Ben Shepard? No, I didn't. Because at okay. that point, I was thinking to myself, look, it's cool that Jairus could do that, but I really don't want him to. We have Tyrese Halliburton. But, yes, that, that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah, so basically what he was saying is Ben Shepard, because the question was about Ben, I think, and he started talking about him, and I might have been talking while he was talking, so I apologize if that kind of overlapped there. But no, I think what he was saying is Ben Shepard can play some one if they need him to in a pinch, but he's more of a 2-3, which is a wing similar to what I think Neesmith and Matherin are more than likely. Um, You know, we saw Neesmith play some four, so if you want to go small ball, I'm sure there's ways they can figure that out. But I think this does put in question for me, do they try to get George Hill back on this roster? Because, look, the, the... the backcourt's going to be crowded now, especially if they don't make any significant trades. You've already got your starting um, Matherin, Nimhard, and Halliburton. You got Buddy McConnell and Duarte off the bench. There's six guys right there. You throw Neesmith in the mix, that's seven. You had Ben Shepard now. There's eight guards, wings type players, and you already have Tice. You've got Jalen Smith. You got Isaiah Jackson and Turner. You got four centers and basically eight guys playing the guard position. And now your fours that you have are what? I'm trying to think here. If I'm losing my mind, help me out here. But the fours that they have are like, uh, obviously, Jairus Walker. And um, I mean, it uh, depends on where you want to stay. Jordan Wara. Like, Jordan Wara. Jordan Wara. And then you got a bunch of in-betweeners in, in terms of Jalen Smith or Isaiah Jackson. You could probably play more at the five. But that's kind of like what you're looking at right now. And I, I feel like. There's, they're probably still going to look to address that position, just like we talked about before. I don't think this is going to be, after what we saw with Benedict Matherin, I don't think it's a guarantee that Jairus Walker is, is the starting four right. from night one. Could happen, not a guarantee. Yeah, I mean, I think he should be given the opportunity to if they don't bring somebody in, but I think they're no still doubt. trying to improve the roster mm-hmm. with veterans, um, maybe with younger guys that are like mid-veterans, not veterans all the way, but guys that can help this team out. They still have cap flexibility, but Ben Shepard, the pick at 26, we waited to come back on until that pick was made. We still have pick 47, but it could be traded if it hasn't been already as we're talking. Um, just talk to me a little bit about Ben Shepard because had a feeling that they could take him here just based on stuff we've been hearing from when we talked to people, um, but was a little bit surprised to see them go kind of a combo guard. I was surprised. Obviously, we know how many guards the Pacers have right now, and they did not move a guard tonight, which I thought might happen. But, you know, I, I did think with Leonard Miller on the board, someone that the Pacers obviously worked out, as well as Gigi Jackson, I thought it was more confident that Leonard Miller could be, be the pick here. Now, here's the thing. We have some question marks in regards to Buddy Heel, Chris Duarte, long-term. Will they be with the Pacers? I don't know. Ben Shepard, what you're getting, is one of the best shooters in this draft. who had a really good combine. This is someone who shot 41% from three at Belmont this past year on six attempts. Previous year, shot 37% from three on six attempts. So it's not a fluke. 
He is a really good shooter. He's 22 years. He's about to be 22 years old. Averaged about 19 points per game at Belmont. And he's not just a shooter. He is a very capable defender. Um, however, for for next season, unless the Pacers make a move, maybe it's Buddy or Dorte moving, I don't know how much playing time he'll get early on. But, hey, crazier things have happened. We said it with Nemhard. Look at the role he ended up playing last year. Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and read NBA DraftRoom.com scouting report of him. It said, Shepard was an unheralded prospect throughout much of his career but has been flying up draft boards during the pre-draft process and could even land in the first round. He was one of the standout performers of the draft combine scrimmages in May, showing off his shooting touch, all-around game, and infectious energy. Now that sounds like a Carlisle guy. He's got good size at six foot six and solid athleticism. He's a heady player who makes the right reads and operates well within the flow of the game. Should be able to come in and fill a role early in his career. Is very efficient on the offensive end, like you alluded to, and is a high-level three-point shooter, hitting over 41% as a senior. However, isn't a great free throw shooter. So, you know, this is a guy that I think could be okay. Uh, not going to oversell myself on a guy at 26 or undersell myself on a guy, especially when I think the Pacers still have front court depth they need to add to this roster. Uh, Leonard Miller was there on the board. He was somebody that we saw slide in the mock drafts to the second round, which we were kind of shocked by. Uh yeah. Omax is somebody that I really wanted. Olivia Maxson's prosper. He went 24 to the Kings, just two picks before us. So kind of wonder if he might have been the pick if he if they if he had fallen. But I will say this about Ben Shepard. Everybody said rave things about him. So I'm not going to sit here and craft the pick. No. But I do have some questions. You know, we kind of did the same thing last year with Andrew Nimhart. We were kind of shocked. We did. We were. So, so I'm not going to get trapped <laughs> into that again, but <laughs> I, I've learned. Last year, we were like, another point guard? What? What are we doing? Like, oh, my God, Nemhard, he's old. He did four years in college, this, this, and that. Look, it was a great pick. So, Ben Shepard, I'm not going to write him off. Yes, I did want to swing for the fences a little bit more with a Leonard Miller or a Gigi Jackson. Well, you know what, Alex? It's been quite a few picks, and those guys are still on the board. So, it just shows that. Ben Shepard probably was ranked higher on a lot of big boards. I think that we got to give him some time because he very well could be a really good shooter in the NBA. And like I said before, that's why, look, Grady Dick will be a very good shooter. But I talked about you could find shooters later on. Ben Shepard, one of the best shooters in his draft. Hey, let's give him time. And I'm excited because a guy like Tyrese Halliburton is going to get you better looks than you could ever imagine. And mm. Ben Shepard will reap the benefits of that. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be a good player. You have to think long-term, too, here with what this team is. And you just never know what trades are going to be out there because this has been a very active offseason already. Um, we saw some monster trades go down. I'm kind of curious your thoughts on them. We saw Chris Paul get traded to the Wizards in a Bradley Beal deal and then get traded again to the Golden State Warriors for Jordan Poole. Uh, I think the Warriors ended up giving a 20-30 pick that's like lottery or top 20 protected top 20 protected yeah. <laughs> oh my god and then you got chris stops porzingis from the wizards and the wizards are just wheeling and dealing this offseason he gets traded to the boston celtics um it's supposed to be with the clippers and the clippers backed out of the deal because of brogdon's medicals and i kept thinking to myself Fachi's probably saying to himself thank god we got out of that contract i, I am and i did Yep. I said, I know, I know Fachi's going crazy right now about this Brogdon stuff. Like he's like patting himself on the back because he yep. was so worried about it. 
Um, but Marcus Smart going to Memphis. I mean, he screams Memphis to me as a type of player for them. I'm trying to figure out the Porzingis fit in Boston. It seems like everybody loves it. I just don't understand, like, have we not seen KP already be a liability in the playoffs multiple different times being attacked in the pick and roll? He also can't really make it to the playoffs. He's had injury history all throughout his career. Uh, he's coming off of a really good season. I think Boston just is very motivated to win it all. And I think that's kind of what they went with. And look, the fact that he's only under contract for one year, I get it. Trading Marcus Smart, very interesting move. I mean, they did get two first-round picks and Porzingis for giving up Marcus Smart. But I think their hands were also tied because... Malcolm Brogdon wasn't going to be able to be moved mm -hmm. due to, you know, his medical. So I think that Marcus Smart was really the only player they could have moved in that situation. So interesting. And that was definitely the, the big trade. Seeing Chris Paul, like you mentioned before, I, I really like that fit with Golden State. I really do because Golden State's going for it all. And if it doesn't work out this year, you know what? Chris Paul is off the books. Not a, not a single penny is guaranteed after next season. They unload about $130 million owed to Jordan Poole. But like I saw you talking about on Twitter, the dynamic between Jordan Poole, Draymond Green, the rest of the Warriors, it felt like that was something they referenced, that Draymond could not lead the way he wanted to after that incident, and it felt like one of them had to go. I mean, who are you going to pick? The guy that was a defensive player of the year and was uh, an inaugural part of your championship runs, or one guy that is a six-man defensive turnstile that – yeah, he's had some really awesome moments, but I think I forget who was talking about it. But if you look at like the shooting it might have been uh, Michael Scotto when he when I had him on the podcast. But it's like when Jordan Poole was a starter, he played so much better than when he came off the bench. Like it was like a mental thing for him. So I don't know. Like Jordan Poole was known for like a six man of the year candidate. Yeah, um, really nice young player. Like twenty eighth pick in the draft. Like hey, for him to turn out the way he's turned out to get a max contract, like kudos to him. You know, the Warriors basically had to sign that because they couldn't lose that asset for nothing. Exactly. And people don't understand that kind of stuff. Sometimes you're like, why'd they give him a max and then trade him? It's like, well, you got to realize a lot of stuff happened uh, after the max, before the max, like the whole Draymond stuff, the him falling out of the rotation in terms of like closing games type thing. Like he just, he's a good player, paid a lot of money. The Wizards don't have any desire to win right now. What's going to happen is he's going to go there. He's going to have like a Zach Levine resurgence where he's like oh my god like this guy is really good and you're going to talk yourself into him <laughs> and then you're going to you're going to pay for him at the deadline and then realize that yeah he's just he's just a guy i mean i don't see him as a star i don't see him as an all-star i see him as just a uh maybe a top 100 player in the league i think top 50 is really pushing it because he doesn't play yeah. defense yeah maybe top 75 right now but i that's pushing to me too i think he's a fine player just a lot of money Jordan Poole will average about 23 points per game next year, and it will be 23 meaningless points on a Wizards team that is not really winning any games. So I think that if you're going to look at his numbers, of course, it's going to be like, oh, Gold State traded that for Chris Paul, who's averaging 13 points per game maybe. It's it's a bigger picture thing. Savings-wise, they saved a ton of money moving forward. But also just in – Alex, the Minnesota Timberwolves traded up to pick 33. They are selecting Leonard Miller. It yeah. stings a little bit more knowing the Pacers had picks 29 and 32 initially where they could have used those to take him. But, hey, you know what? We just got to hope that first-round pick for next year ends up being, you know, maybe between 20 and 25. Yeah, Leonard Miller was there for the grabbing, for the taking, and the Pacers did not take him. I mean, 
I don't know. It's felt like a lot of teams kind of backed out on Leonard Miller. I don't know what happened. They must have. Because um, we were seeing, like, at one point in, like, the early part of June, maybe late part of May, we were seeing him as, like, mocked to OKC at 12 in the lottery. And then we were seeing, like, furthest was, like, the Lakers at 17 or the Heat at 18. And then all of a sudden he falls all the way to 33 in this draft to the, the Timberwolves. And, you know... They got two of my head. they got two of my guys. They've got Leonard Miller and Jaden McDaniels in Minnesota. And now I'm gonna have to be a big Minnesota Timberwolves fan. I just hate that I'm gonna have to root for Rudy Gobert. <laughs> and here's what I wanna do. I don't wanna have to root against Leonard Miller now, just out of being jealous. But here's what's gonna happen next. Gigi Jackson's still on the board. I thought it was surprising. We talked about it. How could he fall out of the first round? Then all of a sudden, I think Jonathan Gavoni had him falling to, I think it was pick 40 or mm-hmm. something earlier this morning. And I was like, I would be stunned if he fell to 40. Now it could happen. The Pacers don't even have that pick anymore. It's just like, can we can we, can we trade up now? I know, I know we gave up 40, but we still have 47, 55, a bunch of second round picks in the future. This is where it could be interesting if, if the Pacers were to trade up similar like they did last year when they trade up and got Kendall Brown. I mean, this would be kind of a little bit of a clincher in like a really good draft uh, because, man, seeing Gigi fall, it just screams value pick at this point. Here's what I'll say. The Pacers took Jairus Walker to help them win now. They took Ben Shepard to help them win now. Does Gigi Jackson really fit that bill? I don't see it. I will say this. They did also – kind of get win now players last year with Ben Matherin at seven. They went probably highest swing right there. Um, but a guy that can come in and play right away. They went Andrew Nimhart at 31, 31, 31. And, and then they traded back in to get Kendall Brown, who was definitely more of an upside swing. So if they, the formula is there from last year. They could do this Fachi. And what I'm just laughing at is Brian Winhorse said it last week. If the Pacers are motivated enough, they can get things done. Yeah. All the deals they've done in this draft process have been very mediocre deals. So I'm not like, yay, they've made all these great trades. Like, no, they've made trades that make sense, and I get all of them. But at the same time, it doesn't really move the needle whatsoever. So no. it's just, you know, you're basically trading dimes for two nickels at this point. It's what it kind of feels like. Pretty much. I mean, it's just like, yes, I, I'm thrilled at the patient got Jarris Walker. They traded one pick down to get two future 2028 second round picks. It's like, okay, all right, well, you know, well, wake me up in five years when those picks are are ready and let's see what they are. But this is where it's also like, you're not going to, I mean, at 47 and 55, sure, like, this could be two-way guys, but why not try and consolidate? I mean, if, if there's a situation where, you know, maybe Gigi's still there, I don't know, I don't think he's going to be like 42 or something, just you can walk away with one, one more player instead of two. I'd feel good about it. But also, I'm a little stunned that we haven't really seen many players being traded tonight. I thought this would be an opportunity for people to kind of unload some contracts, move some players. We saw Rashawn Holmes. We saw Davis Bertans being moved. Other than that, I'm sure I'm missing one or two. But there really hasn't been. I thought the Pacers would use this as an opportunity to maybe clean up the rotation. Hasn't happened. I don't think we've seen any other players move much. I think that's it. Might be. Um, I feel like we always get a lot of buzz around the draft, and we always. never see a lot of players move. A lot of teams value taking these guys. Part of the reason is it's because these are on rookie contracts, and you're going to have these guys under team control for a long time, and it's much cheaper to do that. So I, I was kind of surprised we didn't see, like, 
the Jazz trade trade out of their three picks that they had. You didn't see the Pacers. Besides, I mean, I guess they did trade out, but they still took two players, and they still have pick forty seven. So we'll see what else they do. Um, then you got the Nets who took back to back picks. So I I'm, loved what they did. Noah, Noah Clowney, Clowney. Noah Clowney, which I I thought was a crime projecting him in the second round. He goes twenty one. Derek Whitehead picked twenty two. Bit of a gamble. The guy, but listen to this. The doctor that did the surgery on his foot is the Nets doctor. Mm. Who knows better than them at this point? So it's just like, I'm sure that they got a good feeling that he'll be fine. I thought those were two really good picks back to back. But Alex, what we haven't talked about, what about Cam Whitmore falling all the way down to pick 20 at one point viewed as potentially pick five. Houston walks away with Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore. I thought that could be unbelievable, depending on what those medicals are. I will say this: Cam Whitmore wasn't real. Uh, wasn't uh, was a real play there for the Houston Rockets to pick number four just two weeks ago. I think they really had interest in potentially bringing him in and taking him with the fourth overall pick to get him at twenty. Some of the guys that were taken above him, I was just completely stunned by. Like, I understand in that range, a lot of those teams already have solidified rosters, so they're trying to get help right away. It made more sense for Houston to kind of wait there and take him. Um, I know that they had talks to trade up to get him, but here's what I got to say. Cam Whitmore, to me, was a top five talent in this draft. Yep. And yeah, there might be some medical concerns and stuff like that, but I'm just going to tell you right now, Cam Whitmore is going to be the steal of this draft. The Rockets are going to hit a home run with this pick because Cam Whitmore is a, an incredible human being and an incredible worker. Do you not think that him getting passed up by 19 teams in front of him with picks is not going to be motivation? This guy's going to come in more motivated than anybody in this entire draft process. So I really appreciate Cam Whitmore's uh, ability to hold it together when he was interviewed and stuff like that, because I feel like I would have just been so ticked off that I was underrated and I would have basically made some bold statements like the 19 teams that didn't take me, they're going to remember the name Cam Whitmore in about five years because I'm going to show you how talented of a player I am. So, yeah, that was my initial reaction. Just like, I think teams are overthinking this medical stuff sometimes. Um, that's just where I'm at. I don't know where you're at with that, but that's how I felt. No, honestly, I, look, we don't know what those medicals are. Clearly, it must have been something very alarming for him to fall from arguably 5 to 20. Kind of reminded me where A.J. Griffin fell last year, but he fell to 16. I feel like it wasn't as dramatic of a fall, but last year that felt like a Oh, man, he's slipping and slipping. But, man, Cam Whitmore is going to be good. He's going to be fired up. He, he, he it's, it feels really rough. I hope everything works out. But, yeah, he lost out on a lot of money tonight, a lot. But mm-hmm. going to Houston, I think he's going to have a big opportunity to flourish compared to going to a team where, you know, if it was maybe like a Golden State where he's going to sit on the bench for a while. So I, I think that Cam Whitmore – at this point, it got to the point where I just didn't want him to go to Lakers at 17 because it just felt too good. Like it would have been such a Lakers move where all of a sudden Cam Whitmore falls to 17. They're they're propping him up as a star and, and whatever. So I feel for him. I wanted the Pacers to move up and get him because sure, my initial debate at seven was like, ah, we already got Mather in there. At 20, whatever it may have been, if we had traded up, I would have been like, you know what, the value is just too good to be true. And I, I don't, like I said, I'm no doctor, but I think everything is going to work out. And the teams that passed on him, I think are going to regret it. Totally agree, Fachi. I want to share this quote real quick from Rick Carlisle about Ben Shepard. 
he said, we just have a strong feeling about Shepard um, really as an organization. Um, mentions his shooting, versatility, and enthusiasm on and off the court. Um, I think they're excited about him. I'm going to give them the credit. I think Rick Carlisle's done a good job evaluating talent when it's been the draft the last three years. I, I think that it's going to be hard to beat last year's draft just because yeah. you got two starters in Matherin and Nimhard. Um, and then the two guys you took the year before are kind of question marks future-wise with this team, specifically Duarte, maybe Isaiah Jackson. So we'll see how this roster shapes out. I mean, I would just say this. Don't panic because you might not like the picks the Pacers made. Um, you you got to realize free agency and trades can still happen for quite a while now, and we'll see how active this team is after the draft's over. But we already saw they were pretty active in talks, making three trades already just by today. So I would say that the Pacers have an idea of what they're trying to do and they're going to continue to aggressively pursue that. So don't freak out if you hate the picks, if you don't like one of the picks or you're mad that they traded away a pick. The roster is at 14 players right now. So they got to figure out a way. Is it 14 or 13? I think it's 14. So yeah, they're just going they're going to figure out a way to consider to like consolidate, move on from players, find deals, you know, is what it is, but I was really hoping that they might trade back up for Cam Whitmore. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that would have been like one of those moments where the Pacers walked with Jarris Walker and Cam Whitmore. You would have been like, oh my God, the future, it's blinding. Like, here we go. Like, we're, we're, we're off and running. But when KP says we're going to be aggressive, the Pacers did make three trades. Like, it, they have made some trades. So it's like they've been active. Would you call it aggressive, though? No, I mean, I kind of already hinted at that earlier. I'm like, these guys have been boring. It's like, we're, we're active, aggressive, that's a stretch. You know, <laughs> it's like, I've never heard someone be like, they aggressively accumulated two second round picks at five years from now. So, you know, at, at this point, it's like, yeah, look, we, we've made some some calls, we've made some moves. Uh, for whatever it's worth, Bleacher Report gave the Ben Shepard pick an A. Now, okay. Bleacher Report can be a a little bit all over the place but it's better to get an a than it is to get like a c plus or anything like that so i'll take that they gave the jarris walker pick a b plus so yeah. it's like hmm, really i mean b plus is great but it's not the best you could do but yeah man, i can live with it yeah and i don't think people see a lot of star potential in jarris walker maybe that's why it's that's a b plus what it is. yeah good good player high floor gonna come in right away help contribute but I mean, we'll see. I mean, people probably said the same thing about Draymond when he came into the league and he got drafted in the second round and then ended up becoming an all-star. So you just never know with these guys. It's, it's way too early to kind of give your evaluation on them, too early to give your grades on them anyway either. Because until they pl play with a team, it's hard to give a grade. But I would just say in terms of like overall excitement about this draft, I was a lot more excited about potential than what we ended up getting. I will just be honest with you. Like, I, I don't dislike the draft. I feel very fine about it. It's like, okay, yeah, we got we got some nice players. Let's see how they trans. I'm not I'm not overly ecstatic about Jairus Walker. I'm I like him. I, I'm excited to see what he can do, but I'm just gonna have to see it. Same with Ben Shepard. Like, yeah, I uh I'm intrigued, but I'm not like, oh my god, you know, like I'm not I'm not like running through a brick wall with excitement, Vachi. So I feel like I'm just maybe a little bit underwhelmed overall from the Pacers picks, but I liked a lot of players in this class. Just maybe the guys I wanted weren't the targets they took. I'm with you. I really liked this draft class. I still like guys that are on the board, but you know what? I'm trying to remind myself, just like I mentioned earlier, that 
I wasn't high on the Nemhard pick, and you know Nemhard was nearly all rookie second team. Ben Shepard, I just feel like there'll be a time where he's making it rain from three, and we're all happy about it. But there's still a lot of talent left out there. Gigi Jackson's still on the board. We're right around pick 36, 37 as we're recording this. Maxwell Lewis, I believe, is still there. Mm -hmm. Uh, there, there is, there's some really, Ryan Repair still there. Trace Jackson Davis still there. I mean, there's. City Suzuka still there. There is really good talent to be had. And I just, I would love for the Pacers to make one more move because I know they're talking about, Hey, can we convince a guy on a two-way contract at this point? Once you start to approach the picks in the forties, like these guys are going to take whatever they can get. I, I mean, if you're trying to you know, move up to, say, 37, yeah, I guess maybe that's like the cutoff of if someone's going to take a two-way or not, but you can figure that out. Draft the player first, work it out afterwards. Mm, I, I won't lie, I was a little bit surprised that Jalen Pickett 32. as high 30, as 30, Yeah. 32. Yeah, 32. I thought yeah. that was high. I thought some projected around 40, I would say, so... For him to go at 32. Well, that I mean, was wow. Lundy, I thought. Pickett was maybe, more further down. Okay, maybe, maybe it was. Maybe it was from Penn State. Um, but either way, newly cracking the first round. Uh, very interesting. Totally agree, man. So um, we're not going to stay up for 47 because it's getting late. It's like 1141, and we're old men, and we got to get to work. So, Bachi, go ahead and let people know where, uh, where they can find us at, and we'll talk about the rest of this draft later. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook, Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok, Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast, where you can find all of our video content. That's right. Man, I am really tired, ladies and gentlemen, so I apologize if I seemed a little bit all over the place. But thank you all so much for listening this week. It's been a lot of fun. Leading up to the draft, now we can transition our focus onto the free agency part of things and potential trades because I was like a lot of you guys, I was done talking about these prospects. So we're going to talk about the guys the Pacers took and maybe some summer league obviously coming up. But other than that, we're going to push this draft class to the side because we got our guys now and we can move forward. But Fachi, if you're excited that the Pacers addressed a position of need by getting a forward in Jarris Walker, who could potentially be a starter for this team for the next 10 to 15 years. Then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. Mm-hmm.